Hi, I'm Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTech Bytes podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Remember that impact that you had in your classroom and now bring that to the teachers. Show them exactly what you have to offer. Show them that you love what they do and show them that they can still love the students and you can still love the students and make that impact going forward. Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast, the show where educators can come find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. Hey, Leader of Learning, welcome back, and thanks for joining us here on episode 63 of the Leader of Learning podcast. If you're like me, you might be between your 10th and 15th year in education and maybe aspiring to be an administrator or some other type of educational leader, or maybe you've just become one, and that's why I think you'll get a lot of value out of this episode. This week's guest, AJ Bianco, is not only a personal friend and a fellow podcaster, He has just made the transition into being a leader in his district. I'll let him do a better job of introducing himself, but I will say that I got a lot out of our conversation. We talk a lot off the air, but getting him on the podcast was something that was really a long time coming, and he provided so much value, and really what I got out of the discussion that we had together were two ideas. One, there's this idea about risk-taking and not being afraid to just jump in and get your feet wet on things, and also the notion of just trying to make an impact, no matter what position you're in, and no matter what that looks like to you and the other educators that you work with. So I'm really excited for you to hear this interview I did with AJ, and here it is. I'm on with my good buddy, podcasting buddy of mine as well, AJ Bianco from Podcast PD. You might know him, but he is currently serving as the supervisor of instruction and technology for the East Rutherford School District in New Jersey. AJ, I know that uh, not only have we been friends for a little while and you are a podcaster, but I know that you've been a listener, loyal listener of this show for a long time. So I want to thank you and I want to welcome you on as a guest on the show for the very first time. So thanks so much for giving us some time here. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for having me on here. I do love the show. I am an avid listener of the Leader of Learning podcast, and I, I can't I can't believe it's taken this long for me to get on here because, man, I got so much to offer. But <laughs> I I agree, I agree. No, it's it's definitely time. No, no, no. It's it's fine, but. It's definitely time to have you on, and and I think one of the reasons why uh, it's it's fairly timely is, as you know, maybe better than anyone who listens to the show uh, or is a relatively new listener, I'm all about you know leadership without labels, and and I say at the end of every episode, no matter who you are, or where you are, you too can be a leader of learning, and and I think you understand that, and I think you embody that. Um, you know, you actually let me let me have you explain. I was gonna kind of explain like where you've come in terms of your career. But if you could like take us back, um, you know, how many years you've been teaching, how'd you get started and, and where, how did that lead you to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So, so this is my 15th year in education. And, and to be honest, I was one of those people. I wanted to be a, a teacher when I was 12 years old. Uh, I used to be a camp counselor and I started that when I was, when I was 12, I was a counselor for five-year-olds 
and I was loving it. And I looked at my mom one day, I said, mom, dad, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a teacher one day. And they looked at me back and said, yeah, we knew that, you know, between the coaching that you did and, and all the things that you do, we knew you're going to be a teacher. So fast forward, I went to college and I wanted to be an elementary teacher. And I took my first like observation and I went to this school and it was a kindergarten class and a kid walks up to me with his finger covered in boogers and he goes, can you wipe this? And I walked out. I, I, I'm no joke. I walked out. I went to my sister who was across the street at the middle school and high school. And I said, I do not want to do elementary. I want to do secondary. So she started taking me around, meet some social studies teachers. And I fell in love with the secondary. So the next day I went back to the school. I changed my major from elementary to adolescent education. And then, you know, I was sailing. So I started my career actually in the school that I grew up in, uh, the middle school I grew up there. And then I moved to New Jersey where everything kind of changed. And I found this newfound passion for teaching and teaching social studies was great. And I loved it, but I found PD and the idea of training teachers and working with teachers and getting involved in Twitter and those people, like they really inspired me to do more. And I figured teaching is great. It's a wonderful profession. And I love doing that. And I love being with the students, but I felt there was a bigger calling. I felt like there was something more that I could do. And I started looking into leadership and I started seeing what was behind leadership. And I started getting involved with superintendents and principals over here in Bergen County, New Jersey. And I fell in love with the idea of working with teachers in order to make students better. Now, I hear a lot of people say, well, I'm a teacher. I love being with students. I love working with them and building this rapport. And I said to myself, you can still do that from a leadership level. You can have that with both teachers and students. So that has been my learning experience in the field of education. And I'm very excited to take on my first leadership role in my 15th year. That's awesome. And we'll get to that in a second, you know, in terms of you transitioning now to an administrative role. But uh, I also wanted to ask you, and, and this is why I love having you on and, and talking about this this exact topic is that, again, it, it's so much of what I think this show is about. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, you and I have some mutual podcasting friends and we're in a Voxer group. And sometimes we talk about like having that avatar, that one sort of fictitious person that you think embodies your audience. And for me, I think of that early to mid-career teacher leader who's just looking to make a big impact and potentially move into an administrative role, but someone who is just poised for more than just impacting the uh, however many students they have in front of them on a daily basis. And, and I think uh, in a lot of ways, and, and by the way, if you're listening to this, don't hit unsubscribe if that's not you. Um, you know, I don't mean to like ostracize anyone, but that's just, that's who I think um, I'm, I'm trying to, to get through to. Uh, and, and I think I've been like that in my career. I think you've been like that. And I guess my question then is like, when did you start to see that in yourself, that you were that quote unquote leader of learning, as I like to say, where you were like, you know what? I want to make a bigger impact. I know you, you kind of spoke to that a minute ago, but is there a moment or was there a certain year in your career where you really started to feel that? Uh, yeah, actually. So when, when I started teaching in New Jersey, it was my sixth year of teaching. You know, where I started, what I, where I started from, I had great training. I had great people there, um, but I was just kind of going by and I was going through the motions. And then I got my first job in New Jersey and I was working with professionals who honestly, you know, I had to raise my level. And, and I noticed, you know, with Twitter, which basically revolutionized the way I teach because I almost left the profession, I started getting this, these new ideas and it gave me new confidence. And in my second year 
maybe third year in this new job in New Jersey where I was teaching sixth grade social studies, I was implementing technology. I was having a blast. And then they put a posting out there for a uh, tech coach. So it was tech coach on top of my teaching responsibilities. And everybody came to me and said, you need to go for that position. So I said, okay, I'll go for the position. You know, it wasn't anything major. It was just in that school. I was going to work with the teachers and, and show them technology. I got it. I've been working with those teachers. And then I, I said to myself, I was like, you can do this on a bigger scale. And I didn't want to do just technology because I knew that was just a niche and it's fun, but I wanted to do more. I still wanted to be with kids. I still wanted to do other things and just work with the idea of one-to-one computers and, and tools and stuff like that. And it was at that moment, and I think it was my, uh, see, it was my eighth or ninth year of teaching where I was like, there's bigger things out there for me. And from that tech coaching position, I applied right away for my second master's in educational leadership. And that's where it all started for me. That's cool. Yeah. And, you know, I sort of knew this before, but I think you and I are relatively close in age. I'm in my 14th year of teaching. And I think that, um, you know, for me, it was around that fourth year or so that I started actually taking on roles that put me in positions to coach teachers and to really just understand more of like the adult learning aspect of education rather than just classroom teaching and, and understanding the students, um, which, which sort of segues nicely now into your new role as an administrator or a supervisor. And I guess I, I was wondering if you could uh, speak to and maybe even give some advice if we have listeners who are in similar positions where they, they have been or they are looking to transition from being a teacher to an administrator? Yeah. So the, the role I am, the role I'm in right now is supervisor. Basically I'm dealing with uh, curriculum observations and technology as part of my title as well. So what, what I'm doing basically, I have a lot of things. I'm wearing a lot of hats. I'm doing a, a lot of uh, different observations throughout a year. But I think if I'm going to give advice to somebody, um, first of all, I'll give the advice to people who are looking to make that, that push towards leadership, go for it. You know, there are times where I sit back and I think to myself, man, I miss the classroom. I miss having that rapport with my students. I miss being able to be in charge. And then I said to myself, like, but I'm only impacting X amount of students a day. I feel like in the leadership role, we are able to impact our teachers who are able to impact their students. And that's going to spread more. You know, whatever that math problem is, I remember, you know, the number with the exclamation point, right? However that works and the number gets really large. That's what we're doing as leaders. We want to make this impact large for our, for our kids because then they're going to pass it down and somebody else is going to pass it down. You're going to continue paying it forward. And, and I think for the leaders out there who may just kind of be sitting back and they're doing their job and they're doing a good job, but they want to do more. Remember that impact that you had in your classroom and now bring that to the teachers. Show them exactly what you have to offer. Show them that you love what they do and show them that they can still love the students and you can still love the students and make that impact going forward. I mean, that's the only advice I can really give. I really believe that we're here to help people continue to push students to go forward. More specifically, what are the kinds of things that uh, you in your role are doing with teachers? I know, you know, you talked about having this passion for professional development. Clearly, you're well-connected as an educator. Uh, you and I actually first met at an ed camp. And, you know, I, I, I see you out there. I see you gaining a lot of knowledge. I see you giving back to the community. What is it that, that gets you going that you then in turn look to impart on other educators? So I think because I was, I have been a connected educator for so long, I think that learning these different 
techniques and and tools for the classroom is is something that I can offer the teachers that I'm working with now. Um, I've been big on the flip classroom. I've been big on blended learning, and I kind of dabbled with personalized learning as I was finishing up my my uh, career in the classroom. And I really found passions in doing that. And that is something that I spoke to during my interview for this position that I wanted to bring to these teachers. I, I want teachers to really get away from that quote unquote old school method of teaching. You know, Matt Miller says, ditch that textbook. And, I, and I'm all for that because as a history teacher, textbooks really shouldn't exist because as I told my students, everybody's dead. Nobody's coming back. The history is not changing. It's our job to change that history. So for me, I would like my teachers that I'm working with to try these new things, to take the risks, to bring in more technology. The school that I'm at right now, we're just kind of going one-to-one so I'm introducing a lot of the technology they can be using, I'm introducing a lot of the, the Google tools. And I know it sounds silly that some people are like, oh, please, I'm Google certified, this and that. Yeah, great. But the way you bring it to the classroom is different. So I'm really showing them how we can use these tools in our classroom to create personalized learning so that we can have this idea of blended learning and flip classrooms so that lessons are different. I want my teachers to really bring the lessons to life. I want project-based learning. I know I'm throwing out buzzwords right now, but that's really what I stood for as I was teaching. And I, and I see that they're making these changes with these little bits and pieces of information and that they're feeling like they can do more in their classrooms. Even one tech tool that they're trying, for example, I'll give you one, I'll just say Pear Deck. You know, I introduced Pear Deck to teachers in September and I can't tell you that so many came back to me and said, oh my God, this tool is great. I'm using it with, with my lectures and the kids are really taking to it. It's interactive. They're doing this with their groups, blah, blah, blah. Then they tried Flipgrid and oh my God, with a flip. And, and like just seeing their faces and hearing their reactions to something that for many of us as connected educators, we're like, Psh, please, I did that five years ago. These teachers are really inspired to continue to try new things. But I, I, again, I think it's just it's just the risk, right? So when we talk about the impact, I want them to take a risk in order for them to to feel like they're doing more. You know, they, they've done the traditional, they're comfortable. Now it's time to break the mold and really show that their teaching is growing. As the students change, their teaching is going to change. You know, and, and I really think that's that's what I want to see. I want to see that risk taking. You know, don't what what I tell them. I'm like, I'm coming in for an observation. Don't dazzle me with with technology show me what you do with your kids show me the rapport that you're building show me all these different ideas technology is great but take a risk in doing something else don't just say okay i use this technology it's great um take a risk in 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 project-based learning take a risk in you know going one-to-one or dropping the computer completely you know be risk takers educators come on what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I love that. I'm really glad that you brought that up. And... Um 
I, I'm always, I've been reluctant to share uh, so far what my findings have been from my own research and my dissertation. I know I've referenced it here on the show before, mm-hmm. but I will share with you and with my audience here that uh, risk-taking was a, a key finding that came out of my research that I did on transformational leadership practices to inspire a growth mindset in teachers. And so uh, I guess first and foremost, I want to tell you that uh, recognizing that about yourself as a leader is is huge. And although my sample size was relatively small, I think I'm safe to generalize, so to speak, that that aspect of leadership is what some of our strongest and best leaders are doing, not just to grow the mindsets of teachers, but of course, to to push education forward. So I'm really glad you brought up that concept of risk taking. Um, do you have like one strategy or tech tool or something that you did as a teacher that was like your biggest risk that you might say? I know you, you referenced like flip classroom before. Is that it? Or was there something else that you would like, you know what? I took that risk. I, I kind of gambled and it and it paid off. Yeah. Let, let me let me go back one second. And I, I preach risk taking for the teachers. As a leader, I'm nowhere near that risk taking. I still get a little nervous when I open a front open the door to walk into a classroom and then all eyes are on me and I'm like, uh, hi everybody. So why I'm, is that? Because you're so new at it? Still, I, I guess or? you're so new. You know, I'm I, I'm trying to take risks slowly. And you know, I don't want to sound like I'm a perfect leader because I said it one time. I'm trying to take risks slowly, you know, but I'm still nervous because I still am new and I still don't know as we talked about before the show, I still don't know the climate and culture, but you know, I want to take more risks. I want to start showing that if I'm taking risks, you can take risks. So, so let me just talk to that first. Um, second, to talk about the, the thing that I did in my classroom, that was my biggest risk taking. I think when I introduced personalized learning and, and, and that was a big, big change for me in my classroom. Um, basically, the idea of personalized learning and using learning menus for my class was my biggest risk because you know, letting my students kind of sail on their own as eighth graders to see if they would sink or swim with this was really a reflection of me. Am I clear with my directions? Are the assignments I'm giving the students for their choice, are they good enough? Um, what they're creating, is it meaningful or is it just something they're having fun? Does it seem like I'm doing nothing in the class? So I think for me, that personalized learning and really putting my students in the driver's seat of learning was my biggest risk because I could have totally dropped the ball and my kids could have learned nothing for a month and a half based on what we were doing. Yeah, that's great. I actually uh, went back into the classroom for a few months last year before I made my transition to an administrative role. And um, learning menus or something similar was a big risk that I took. You know, I, I resented the fact that I was being asked to go back into the classroom after a few years spent as an instructional coach. I mean, I understood uh, the, the circumstances surrounding the decision, but it, it wasn't easy. It felt like I was taking a step backwards, but it of course gave me the opportunity to then try in my own classroom with my own students uh, certain instructional strategies and technologies that I had been coaching teachers on up until that point, but now I was able to do it for reals. And uh, you know, I, I did I, I did something like uh, learning menus or, or layered curriculum, and like you said, it was a, it was an opportunity for me to learn from the students in terms of um, the work they were doing and how I was setting up and framing all of the assignments and activities. And I think we all learned a lot, especially me, 
uh, about how to do that. So um, it was it was personalized. It was it wasn't really like a flipped classroom, but it was basically uh, very personalized and very independent in terms of the students working through the different tasks at various levels. And and it was a risk on my part. And ha- had I stayed there longer, there definitely would have been some things that I would have uh, done differently. But I think it was a risk that I knew I had to take and, and one that I'm really glad that I did take. Yeah, I, I can probably, I, I can probably see where you're coming from as well, and I, and I think it's probably a great risk for you because for those people out there who are who are still teaching, who want to take the risk, and, and you know, if you want to be a leader in the classroom, this is still what you're here for. You know, I think the idea of personalized learning, for what I learned, is my students found out more about themselves than they knew from lecture or taking tests or or doing things like that. You know, it, they were able to kind of figure out what they like. They were able to kind of work with people around them and and collaborate more. And how they l- really learn best. Yeah, and, I, and that, exactly. And I really think even though it was a risk for me, it was a bigger risk for them. And I think they succeeded in getting to know who they were, especially going to high school, that their learning style was going to change drastically when they get to high school. So this could have opened them up to, I like this. I like video. I like notes. You know, I don't like technology. I'd rather take it on, I take notes on a piece of paper and do it that way. I like tests over projects. And it really kind of helps them kind of figure out which way they want to go as they are continuing their learning. See, I think that's really become my biggest, I don't even know what I want to call it. I guess my biggest like theme if you will, in terms of my coaching or, or my philosophy now when it comes to really changing the, the instruction game is that aspect of allowing students to express themselves and prove what they've learned, prove mastery of that content any way that they feel like they need to. And, um, and I think for me, that was a shift that I made and that I was happy to get the opportunity to take in my own classroom last year for a little bit. Um, but now I'm, I'm better able, I'm better equipped to help teachers through that as well. And it's like, look, if you got a kid that wants to write an essay, great. But if they don't, and if they want to use Flipgrid and make a video response, that's great too. If they want a podcast, that's awesome. You know, like just mm-hmm. finding different ways and maybe creative ways, uh, outlets for students to use to really prove the mastery of the material. hundred percent agree. You know, we continuously say we have to meet our kids where they are, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be social media where they are, but think about the things that they're doing outside of the classroom. Are they playing sports? Are they playing video games? Are they dancing? Are they acting? Uh, what are they doing? Let them bring that to the classroom to help them with their learning. Don't stifle them. Don't do what our teachers did to us where, you know, I still remember I had a social studies teacher in seventh grade who had the chalkboard filled with notes and then maps down to cover it. And the day was copy these notes and she would pull the maps up so the notes would show up. And that was our class. And at the end of the week, we have a test. Like, what did that do for me? That just showed that I know how to memorize social studies information. It didn't show me that I'm a good test taker. It didn't show me that I enjoyed class. It just said that I can take notes and I can take a test at the end of the week. So we need to actually meet our kids where they are, let them bring their passions to class and let their learning really grow for them, not for what education is supposed to be. 
Awesome points. And this is going to be like one of the most awkward transitions ever. But I do want to switch gears as we kind of wrap up here, because I know that in addition to uh, your role as a new administrator and the coaching and the leading that you've done, one of the other ways that you have asserted yourself in the education space to make a bigger impact and inspire more educators uh, is really the same thing I'm trying to do, which is to podcast. And so you are one of the co-hosts uh, of the podcast PD show. So if you could plug that a little bit, talk about that. And, you know, just in case any of my listeners happen to not be subscribed yet to podcast PD, what is that all about? So, so podcast PD is a podcast that I do with, uh, Stacy Lindas and Chris Nessie. And really it started from a Twitter chat that we used to do. Uh, Chris and Stacy and I were at several different ed camps together and, you know, we would talk about different things in education. And at one time we were on Twitter and we just got into this conversation of podcasts and how podcasts are actually really great for our teachers, for ourselves, for our students. And we started the hashtag of just podcast PD. And every Sunday night, we had a chat from like 8.30 until 9.30, a couple of questions, just dealing with podcasts. We put out recommendations. And then Chris said to me and Stacy, why don't we actually just record this? Let's make it audio. Stacy was reluctant at first. I was on board. I didn't mind. So it took a little pushing for Stacy, but we finally got it. And now we are in year three of Podcast PD. And on the show, we're talking about the pod, uh, excuse me, we're talking about the PD you deserve and your faculty meetings, but with a little extra kick from us on the side. And speaking of podcasting and also going back to the points you made a few minutes ago about risk taking, uh, I have seen and heard some hints, uh, some teases that possibly you might consider starting your own solo podcast. Is that right? So that is, that is correct. And, uh, and I have been throwing out some teasers. If you heard episode, uh, I think it was actually episode 63 of Podcast PD. I threw a little teasers out there. Um, but I am planning, and hopefully at this point, that the teaser is out for my new podcast, which I'm going to call, drumroll, drum roll, please, Reflect Ed. So this podcast is going to be just general reflections from me with what happened in my week, what happened as a leader, what happened as a teacher, and hopefully some interviews with some of my closest friends and colleagues and and people out there in the Twitterverse and Instagram who just want to sit back for a little bit and reflect on the good, the bad, and the things that they feel are really going well for them in education. That's great, man. Uh, you know, congratulations on reaching this point in your career and, and making that leap from teacher to administrator. Uh, congratulations on the success you've had with Podcast PD. Lots of luck getting your own podcast off the ground. I expect to probably be a guest on there in about two and a half years because I, I'm owed that much because it's taken me that long to get you onto this show. But uh, no, seriously, I mean, you actually gave our listeners that advice earlier to to just go do it and to take risks. And so I think if you, you know, from me to you, little advice here, if you're going to take your own advice, then you just have to do it. And as Chris says, you got to hit record. And so I'm really looking forward to that, buddy. I, I think, um, I think it's your time to really start sharing some of your own content. I think that's going to be awesome. But I appreciate you coming on here and giving us some of your time as a guest on Leader of Learning. I appreciate you also for your years now of loyal listenership. So uh, thanks so much for being a guest. And I know we're going to be talking all the time, but I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, Dan, thank you so much for having me. It was an honor and I had a lot of fun talking to you. And hopefully, you know, I'll be in the same boat as you created my my podcast a couple of years down the road and I'll book you for episode 63 if I ever make it to that point. <laughs> All right. It's a done deal. I'm going to write it down. There we go. Put in the books.
Many thanks to AJ for coming on and being a guest. You know, he ribbed me in the beginning of the episode and it did take 63 episodes of the Leader of Learning podcast, but I'm so glad I was able to get him on. And like I said at the beginning of the show, he definitely provided a lot of value when it comes to taking risks and looking to make an impact. Thank you for joining us. And I want to let you know before you leave a couple of things. First off, I'm doing something this week that I've probably not done ever since launching this show. And that is I'm going to release another episode. The next episode of the Leader of Learning podcast, which is episode 64, is actually going to come out this Thursday, February 6th, and will feature two of my absolute favorite instructional coaches, Kathy Perrette and Kenny McKee. They are both not only working on a book together, but they're headed to the ASCD Empower 20 conference and putting on what is going to be, I know for sure, an amazing pre-conference workshop. So I want to make sure that my listeners, you guys out there can hear from them this Thursday, February 6th. Look for episode 64 of the podcast. Also, starting with episode 64, I'm proud to say that I've been looking for another way to make a bigger impact with my show and with you, the audience. And that is why I will be starting to post videos of the interviews that I conduct for each episode of the podcast on YouTube. So if you're not already subscribed to the Leader of Learning channel on YouTube, please consider subscribing. Head over to leaderoflearning.com slash YouTube and subscribe today. Thanks, guys. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, if you enjoy the content shared on the show, please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. I would also appreciate it if you would leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or whatever podcast app you use to listen. For more information about me or this show, head over to leaderoflearning.com. While you're there, you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, how to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Voxer, sign up for our newsletter, and even find out how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again, and remember, no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a Leader of Learning.